Well, I want to talk to you tonight about miracles, the supernatural, the miraculous, Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to remind you that Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So in fact, the church had a supernatural start that God sent his son Jesus to redeem us, and then he came to build his church. It began with miracles. It has been sustained throughout the ages with miracles, and it will be operating in the miraculous up to the rapture and into the second coming of Jesus Christ. This miracle life is really the only life that will satisfy the hunger of humanity. I noticed on television so many shows regarding the supernatural and, uh, and, and extraterrestrial and, and uh, paranormal. It's been a preoccupation since the beginning of time. Some people dismiss it as so much uh, superstition. I don't. I regard the hunger for that as a reinforcement of the fact that we are created by a supernatural being, God himself. He is supernatural. And the reason I think pe this is the case and people are, are, are yearning for the supernatural is because we came from a supernatural God. Uh, it's been said that miracles are the calling card or the dinner bell for the unsaved. Certainly in Jesus' earthly ministry, that was the case. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. People came to hear and they were healed. Many signs, wonders, and miracles occurred. Some strains of theology teach that the supernatural gifts have passed away, but God did not pass away. For example, and he's the one that did the miracles. When Elijah was about ready to leave and he was passing the, the mantle onto uh, his protege, Elisha, uh, Eli Elisha said, where is the God of Elijah? Because he wanted the substance of what, and he attributed the power, not to Elijah, but to the God of Elijah. And so God is sending you and me into a battle, into a walk of faith that you cannot win with mere human ability. I go to a church where the vision is so big that it cannot be filled with human power. It has to have divine intervention. And so the reason I'm preaching what I'm preaching today is because it's equipping in nature. It's thoroughly biblical. In fact, I want to just reiterate to you something from Mark chapter 16. If you would get your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 16. The, the final words of Jesus after his resurrection and before his ascension. Matthew, Mark, right before Luke, chapter 16, the last chapter. Now, if you guys are students of the Bible, you'll realize that some of the early manuscripts don't include this last paragraph, but a lot of them do, so we should continue to consider the value and the merit of this chapter being in this page. Uh, afterward, he appeared in verse 14 to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. Aren't you glad Jesus will show up where you're eating? And he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. They were just in unbelief. Jesus had to rebuke that unbelief out of them because unbelief is one of the suppressors to the supernatural. We have to understand that the traditions of men will choke the word and make it unfruitful, that the, uh, 
the giants that are out there that try to array against us to hinder us with fear. We have to understand God's calling us to go forward. And this is why Jesus reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed. So uh, Hebrews eleven six, he that comes to God without faith, it's impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We know it's not sufficient just to believe in his existence, which I do, and I don't believe he's a sadist, and I don't believe he's distant, and all the dismissive things I've heard recently from the atheist camp and the people that would try to belittle that or disparage that, I believe God to be so good and he's so worthy of praise, and he is looking for people that will yield to him and uh, be free from hardness of heart, have a tender heart, and get rid of unbelief have a belief system that's based on and predicated on the scriptures. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now this is the commission. The commission did not pass away 100 AD when the Bible was completed and the canon of scripture was consummated. The commission to go and preach the gospel is still on the church. I propose to you that in addition to the commission, so is the power available intact to help us accomplish this mission. He said, uh, he who has believed and is baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Then he articulates and, and itemizes, in my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And look at verse 20. I love verse 20. Let's all read this out loud. If you don't have your New American Standard Bible, you can look at it on the screen. Let's read that. Ready? And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by signs that followed. Wow. So that is a fantastic thing. That literally did happen in Jesus' earthly ministry, and it also happened in the life of the apostles. In Acts chapter 4, they prayed, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders would be done in the name of your son Jesus. The next chapter, significant and extraordinary and wonderful miracles took place through the hands of the apostles. But it doesn't just end with the apostles. God is still the same, Jesus the same, yesterday, today and forever. When Moses was commissioned in Exodus 23, 20, the Lord spoke to him and assured him. He said, behold, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way to bring you into the place which I have prepared. The angels of the Lord are ministering spirits, it says in Hebrews, the first chapter. They are supernatural beings. When the, listen, the supernatural has not passed away. Angels still exist. Unfortunately, demons are still trying to uh, uh, hurt people. And so we see these things, and we look at this with an understanding heart in order to amass spiritual knowledge, gain some traction under our tires. This was pretty salty for, for Moses. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in, in the way, to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. In other words, God is supernatural. He has a supernatural plan for each and every one of our lives. Angels are supernatural. They're agents 
that he has created and employed for our mission. And in fact, in Psalm 103, it says, the angels of the Lord hearken unto the voice of God's word. They prayed for Peter when he was in jail, and what did God do? He dispatched an angel who went in and broke the chains or undid the chains, opened the doors, and walked Peter out when he was still asleep and was still groggy and didn't even know what was up. I love it. Angels ministered to Jesus again and again. Angels gave a message to Mary and to Joseph. Angels tended to Daniel, Michael, and Gabriel both. You and I are not left alone to fend for ourselves uh, with strictly human capacity. He, our God, provides supernatural help. Can I hear an amen? amen? You've got to know that you are not alone. You are not having to go at it by yourself, strictly. When Moses asked God, who shall I say sent me? When God spoke to him and started to rouse him and prepare him for his mission, who, what did God say? He said, I am has sent you. That means the present one, the available one, the loving one, the supernatural one, the existing God who is there to help you fulfill your call every step of the way. Again, let's read this verse. Behold, in chapter 23, verse 20 of Exodus. Man, I love this. Look at this. Behold, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way. Did you know the Lord has helped you along the way? He's had angels, plural, all encamped around you. The angels, plural, of the Lord encamp around those who serve him and love him. You guys born in the Eastern Bloc nations, God has been so good to you through your life. And here you are in the heartland of the United States, and so much blessing has been downloaded in your life. Steve Clayman, Jewish man, comes to know the Messiah, Jesus. We've walked together for many decades now. The Lord's been so good to Steve, walked him through some complex battles. Diane Kennedy, God's been so good to your family. That, I mean, I could go on and on. The ones I know here, the amazing things God has done in your life, how uh, the, the Barry boy brings Zach, and then Zach brings his mom and dad, and they're some of the most dynamic people in the church. I just think how cool that is. That, you know, you just have a middle school group, and a friend brings a friend, and before you know it, we are bonded like a, a family. And Jesus said that to us. He said, I will build my church upon this rock of revelation to Peter. He said, I will build my church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. You're not alone. Say this with me. I'm not alone. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the end of Matthew 28, he said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's with us. And he's not with us in diminishment. He's not with us in depletion. He's not with us just in theory. He's not with us in just intellectual uh, massaging. Or, and he's also not with us in hype. He's with us in a substantial biblical framework. And we can trust him. We can take it to the bank. We can walk it out through our daily lives. God is supernatural. He has not stopped being supernatural. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. Look, Peter, the, Peter knew as a fisherman that he, if he stepped out of that boat, he'd sink like a rock. He knew that he couldn't. He understood physics, and he knew that his body would break the, uh, the, the membrane of the, the water uh, at the top at the surface and break the tension. But, but yet, faith, God's presence, the Lord Jesus, he said, if that's you, bid me come. And he was able to and enabled to walk on water literally walked on water. It's not just a 
metaphor, not just an idea. And God is, listen, the one that made you in his image and for his purposes. And you have a destiny on your life. You're made, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I propose to you that Ephesians 2.10 should be something that goes up into a high priority in your meditation and your thinking. You are his workmanship. Listen, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. He's prepared you. He's created you. He has a plan for you. Believe it? There, there's a series of divine things God wants to do. Most of it's covert. Some of it's overt. All of it's supernatural. Some of it is going to be uh, even sensational. But listen, God has a plan. And if you get a hold of that, let's just realize that they went out everywhere and they preached the gospel and the Lord worked with them and he confirmed the word. That's why it's important that we get in, in the word and the word gets in us. We build ourselves up. We get stronger and stronger every day, all the way, 100% with Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? God's sending you out into a battle. You can't win it with human ability. The supernatural takes us past the impossible, through the unbelievable, into what people call the ridiculous. When a Christian gets, a, gets serious about God, starts to walk by faith, God will direct each of us into a place where the supernatural is no longer an option but a requirement. God has been so good to me, I'm telling you, he has been so good to me. Everything around you, everything you see, in my case, in my life, I attribute to a supernatural God. He has been so good to me. Just about everything I've had to do in life, I had to do it by faith, and I had to do it with God's help and by trusting God. In fact, that's just the way I want it, because I want him to get all the glory. In fact, we're designed and created in Christ for good works, and our inclination and our bias is, God, I want to see you get glory and praise out of my life. Who in here wants to bring honor, glory, and praise to God? Tell me some of the things that give honor, glory, and praise to God. Faith pleases God. Praise, he inhabits the praises of his people. What else gives glory to God? Praying and getting results to your prayer. Obedience. Listen, obedience is a magnet for the supernatural. If we're willing and obedient, the Bible says we'll eat the good of the land. So we need to only be strong and very courageous, and that's part of our obedience, is getting strengthened, being obedient, not caving into fear, not murmuring, uh, not getting in the spirit of the age and letting it get in us. This is a time I've got so much teaching I have that God's been speaking to me about controversy. God spoke to me years ago about controversy, and I've just reopened it. I looked at, I saw six places in the Bible where it could be translated controversy, and uh, sometime I'll teach it. How many of you would like to hear it? Well, you just need to come to church all the time. At some point, it'll come out. But uh, we're not to live in a bunch of controversy. We're actually, in fact, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I want to just show you why I'm preaching um, miracles on Friday nights and basic Bible doctrine on Sunday mornings. Uh, it says here in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. Paul knew his calling was not something of human origin. He didn't confer with flesh and blood. 
He knew God set him apart from his mother's womb and was pleased to reveal his son in him. He told Timothy, which was his true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace. Everybody say grace, mercy, and peace. From God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. We always need doses of grace, mercy, and peace. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. And look at verse 4. Nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. That word myths could also be translated controversy. Myths and endless genealogies. Pay no attention to endless genealogies and myths, controversies, a bunch of questions and a bunch of conflicts. Pay no attention to it, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Paul was all about furthering the administration of God, which is by faith, and he didn't want people to get caught up in tangents, speculation, questions. questions questioning destroys faith. Well, what about this? If God really loved us, why did this happen? Where are the miracles? All that stuff. We at some point have to let the Lord fortify us. And in fact, on my margin of my study Bible, it says we're actually to occupy ourselves with God's provision. We're actually to occupy and be preoccupied with that my father provided Jesus and gave me salvation. Jesus dispatched the wonderful Holy Spirit and gave me empowerment. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. These signs will follow you. That certainly took place for Peter and Paul and John and, and all those guys that went all around the then known world. But I'm telling you, if you study history, which you should, even in the dark ages, even in the middle ages, even when the church led up off the gas pedal, even when the church failed, the Holy Spirit always had a remnant. And when he opened up the windows of heaven and it was like fire distributed on each one of them, God is a consuming fire. When Moses had that burning bush experience, that was a one-off amazing thing just between he and, and, and God. We don't have those burning bush experiences, but yet we can have a fire distributed on each one of our lives and an open heaven upon us and the blessings of God coming upon us and overtaking us. This is about to accelerate, so this is why I'm preaching this and teaching this and praying this and prophesying this to you, so you can understand, well, yeah, God is supernatural. And even the cessationist, who is a wonderful, deep, born-again Christian, but doesn't believe in the supernatural as I do, they would acknowledge, well, it is supernatural to be saved. That's a supernatural thing. God himself is a supernatural being. And so there is, there are tenets of faith that are shared in the collective called the church, and I just want you to know that my view, my conviction that I've carried my whole Christian life and all my 40 plus years of ministry is that this uh, amazing provision of the Holy Spirit is intact for us today. I mean, if there are lying signs and wonders, then, then why would they be lying signs and wonders if there weren't true signs and wonders? If there are false prophets, then that must imply there are true prophets. And oh, by the way, in the book of Revelation, there are going to be some of the most outstanding miracles that take place with people, witnesses coming back from the dead, speaking kinds of amazingness that uh, why would there be a, a hollowed out cavern between the early church and the end church? Why would it be hollowed out and gutted and powerless when he said you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? 
He said, I'll pour out my Holy Spirit on all flesh through the prophet Joel. Peter re-preached it in the first beginnings of the book of Acts. It bumped up into the New Testament context. And then Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? And the answer is a resounding yes. Hallelujah. I'm excited about this. I think you can tell. So here we are, sensible Christians endeavoring to dial into what the Lord is saying in our moment that we're in. Trust in God that, that uh, he, in fact, is the one that has sent his angels to tend to us along the way. Who in here can say, man, I've been through a thing or two. I must have had angels. Who in here has lived such a dumb life that you think your angels might have slings and black eyes and chipped teeth? How many of you think that? I've actually thought about these angels are going to look at me when I get to heaven and they're going to go, what were you thinking? What did Jeff Foxworthy say, the famous last words of a redneck? Hey, y'all, watch this, right? And, uh, and yet in Christ, God doesn't call us to a fool's errand. He doesn't call us to frivolity, and he doesn't call us to something that's baseless. He doesn't call us to superstition. He doesn't call us into some sort of mysticism. He doesn't call us into uh, conjuring things up. He doesn't. He insists that we not try to manufacture anything, but he also doesn't want us to ignore the rea reality of his presence, his power, his capability. So listen, I'm believing God for great things to take place. I'm believing God for bodies to be healed tonight. I'm believing God for depression to lift off of people. I'm believing God for demons to flee that have hassled people. I'm believing God for people to get free from sin patterns, guilt and condemnation. And I'm believing God for equipping. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is the why of why Pastor Jeff is up here preaching and sharing what I'm sharing and testifying and what I'm alluding to. It says in Hebrews, I mean Ephesians chapter 4 that it says that uh, in verse 10, it says that he descended, he who descended, descended is himself uh, also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. So Jesus came to earth, suffered and died, was buried, rose from the dead, ascended, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. Stop. Equipping. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The last chapter of Hebrews says it again about our equipping. Equipment. When people join the military, uh, they go to a base and they get out of the bus and they shave their head and they get them lined up and they start yelling at them and then they... They, they measure them and they put them in, in uniforms. They give them a backpack. They give them boots. They give them fatigues. They give them the, their, their weapon. And they, they, they give them a place to sleep. They show them what to do. And they equip them. And they train them. A young man was up here just a few weeks ago and told me he's joining the Marine Corps, going to Camp Pendleton in California. I, I lived right by there. And I watched those, uh, those soldiers for the years through Vietnam and so forth. So I was in touch with that. So I prayed for him, and I let him know, hey, they're going to they're gonna break you down, and they're going to make you a soldier. And I said, just, but retain your sensibilities about God. Stay in love with Jesus. You know, find a good chaplain. Find a good service. 
stay plugged into the Lord, stay in the word. And uh, he listened to it. And I, I gave him some equipping and he's now being equipped so he could be a soldier. And this is Memorial Weekend coming up and we honor those who paid the ultimate price uh, that they would be willing to die for our freedoms. And I pray, by the way, they don't drift away. I pray we still retain freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly. These freedoms cost people everything. Well, also the freedom in Christ, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And where he's not, there's bondage. So we want to yield to the move of the Holy Spirit. We want to understand it in our times. Is it biblical to expect biblical results in 2021? I certainly am persuaded and convicted that it's absolutely plausible that we should be expectant for a word of knowledge, for a word of wisdom, for tongues and interpretation, for discerning of spirits, for the gift of faith, for the working of miracles, for the gifts of healing. We believe God for signs, wonders, and miracles to follow the word uh, as certainly as it happened in the scriptures. Why do pastors and apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers exist for the equipping of the saints? For example, why did I bring Reinhard Bonnke to St. Louis Family Church? Because for this, precisely for this reason, because he's an evangelist, he was an equipper. Wasn't just that he was amazing performer of the gospel and we could watch him. You get around him and he would equip you for evangelism. He'd equip you for evangelism. I had, I've had great teachers come in here and they equip you and hunger you to be, put a hunger in you to become studious for the word of God. And we, in fact, are to be apt to teach. We're all as believers called to have the word of Christ dwell in us so richly that we have a word in season. A word of encouragement, a word of wisdom, a, a word of, 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 of hope and help for people. Too many people suppress that and just mope through life. We need all the help we can get. Uh, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. I think if each one of us takes hold of this today, the church will be better off for it. It says until, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Did you read verse 13? That's a stack of stakes right there. Until we all attain what? To the unity of the faith. I, I hunger for unity in the body of Christ. As you see division in our country, you see division amongst uh, races, division amongst gender, ethnicity, uh, socioeconomic, all the kind of garbage the enemy's trying to stir because a house divided against itself can't stand. Conversely, in the positive, when there's unity, Psalm 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. We strive for it in our household. We strive not to have strife. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so abandon a quarrel before it begins. I've learned finesse about these things. You just see it and it starts to come. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Where there's jealousy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. And there's so much controversy stirring to get people in strife and factious about so many subjects and so many issues that it's time for the church to take a wholesome look at the Old and New Testament and look specifically at Jesus. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, and signs and wonders accompanied his ministry, except where in his own hometown they were dismissive of him, and he could only do uh, minor things. So he had to go to the village, 
village's teaching, that's the, he, that's the cure for unbelief. So I'm teaching about the supernatural. There was a mainline denomination that had a conference, and they asked me to speak at their conference. Very conservative denomination. And a, a whole bunch of the pastors came to our Friday night service. And they were all blended into the service, and I knew they were there. You guys, I didn't tell you. I just wanted you to relax and be yourselves. And while we were in praise and worship, one of the pastors from this very formal, mainline, uh, long-running denomination got healed in his back during praise and worship. I didn't know that till we were at the conference and I was preaching and he raised his hand. He said, I got healed at your service on Friday night during the praise and worship. My back was all messed up and I, it got healed. And, you know, I'm in this denominational environment that I'm pretty sure is cessationist, which wouldn't believe these things, and yet, but maybe they're cautious and open, but cautious. So there are all kinds of categories, and I love all the body of Christ. And I'm not ashamed of my born-again experience, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm not ashamed of my spirit-filled experience either. I am totally persuaded theologically that it's biblically sound. This is my firm conclusion. I'm adamant about it. It doesn't make you any more holy or any more saved. It just helps you in equipping. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he changes you. He brings information to you beyond your human knowledge. He brings power beyond human power. The signs and wonders follow, and we have got to be discerning because there are false things in the world. But because there are false things doesn't mean we should back off because if there are false things, then there must be true things. And so then we must adhere to the true things and ardently pursue love but desire earnestly spiritual gifts because people need a breakthrough. People need help. Real help comes from God, and it honors God when we walk in faith concerning these things, and we get bold about it, we get tenacious about it, we get biblical about it, we get adamant about it, we get secure in it, and we get consistent with it and walk out to the end. The rapture will be supernatural. The second coming is going to be supernatural. Why would there be a gutted, hollow, anemic, pale, wispy, little blank period in between the amazingness of the early church and the amazingness of the end time hour? Why would it be gutted where there's, we're holding to a form of godliness but denying the power thereof? We must understand these things so that people can get the breakthrough that they need. People deserve real gospel power coming out of the church. So, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we're no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So we're to grow up in all aspects into him, spirit, soul, and body. We're to grow up intellectually. We're to mature and be life learners and grow and develop. We're to keep our bodies under as the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to take care of ourselves. There's a commercial where a guy does one push-up and he thinks that's sufficient and he eats one piece of broccoli and he thinks he's going to be healthy. And that is not the re reality. The Bible says... We're to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. So listen to this. We've disciplined ourselves, and we are believers in the new birth. 
and around here in the culture of this church, I'm, and I'm unpacking the doctrine of the basic tenets of the faith, the inerrancy of the Bible as the Word of God, the person of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, humanity and what we're about, the fall of man, the restoration through righteousness of what Jesus did on the cross, the doctrine of baptisms. I'm going to teach about water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so forth. And I'm also going to talk about the doctrinal distinctives in our church. You know, when we were in a, a Bonham Presbyterian church after the flood and the pastor who was cautious and open about the things of the Spirit, uh, they understood, they watched us with fascination, but identified there was legitimacy in the undertones of who we were and what we were about. We weren't flakes. We weren't mystics. We weren't just some cult of radical, loud people just jumping all over, hooting and hollering. We're, our roots were deep in Christ. He's the rock of our salvation. And we had wonderful meetings together, and we came into these conclusions together. And God brought us into an amazing uh, moment. God brought us into a, we were juxtaposed through the flood, where, where they were up on high ground, and we needed them. We needed a place to meet, and they so graciously provided it. And it opened my eyes to a broader spectrum of the body of Christ and how beautiful the church is when we function together and walk in love and we're not belittling each other and calling each other names and ridiculing each other, dismissing each other. I don't call this a full gospel church because then I'm implying somebody's a half gospel church. I don't really like labels because they bug me because all they mean is just then you're pigeonholed by the labels. I just don't like labels. The other day in church, I said, I'm not an evolutionist or a creationist. And I think it freaked people out. Because then I said, I believe God created the heavens and the earth. Well, then you're a creationist. But then there's so much vast complexity of what a creationist title would be. Or are you a born-againer? One of my relatives said in California, you sound like my friend. You know, he, he's a born-againer. Hey, mom, he's a born-againer. Hey, you a born-againer? It's like a born-againer? Well, I've been born again, but I'm not a born-againer. Labels are dismissive and they're belittling. They're designed to just shrink wrap you and put you in a little box and then just heckle you. So for me to say, we're a full gospel church, it's like saying then you're half gospel, you're three quarters gospel, but we're full gospel. How rude is that? The gospel is Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That's the gospel and that's as full as it gets. And in fact, he's the fullness that fills all in all. And right here, he says that we're to attain to the unity of the faith. I'm, I, see, I believe in ecumenism. I don't believe in baseless ecumenism. I don't believe in where you compromise so much that everything's so bland you can't tell what anybody believes. But I believe wherever we can find the essential tenets of the faith in Christ and stand together, I believe that's where we're going to be uh, at our highest and best going forward in the 21st century reaching a lost generation. About to hit 8 billion. It grew by 5 billion since I was born. It's fascinating to me how uptick population density has become. And I'm believing God for this region in this local church environment, but I'm believing that we'll be a house of prayer to the nations. I believe that God will make us green pastures and quiet waters so we could have moments like this and we could grow and we could learn a safe place for a Lutheran pastor from Canada to come in and get healed, or another pastor's assistant, personal assistant, comes and gets healed of multiple sclerosis, 
or God will turn darkness around and turn light onto situations and open the eyes of your understanding. Even in this environment, getting creative ideas, business strategies, you scramble to get your pen and write stuff down while the Holy Spirit is moving. I don't object one bit. One time a guy asked me, Pastor Jeff, would it be okay with you that while you're preaching, if I, if, while you're preaching, I write stuff down that the Lord gives me, because I get messages when I sit under your teaching. And he, he in fact, was co- coming into an amazing opportunity and was being invited to speak on amazing platforms. I said, man, absolutely, that doesn't offend me. If, if, if what I preach triggers something and you get a whole different message has nothing to do with what I'm preaching, I'm fine with that because after all, the Holy Spirit is your teacher and that just shows you've, you've shown up, you're here, you've asked me, you're being respectful, you're being polite. That's precisely part of how this stuff works. God will give you an answer for your marriage in a situation like this, even if I'm not preaching on marriage. God will give you a key about your child rearing for your kids and the next steps of what they're supposed to do in an atmosphere of obedience and of the presence of the Lord. Why? Because where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. And I love it too that that guy was standing there worshiping God and he probably doesn't even stand and worship God in his his liturgical environment. But he was standing worshiping God and he got healed. I love it. Don't you love that? Well, that was probably the devil. No, it was a no, it was the Lord. We give Jesus the praise for that. We give Jesus the praise for that. And we look for that and we trust God for that. And we 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 trust God that, that our hope is that, you know, as we get ready to pack up tonight, you know, have some fellowship and we, we go home and go to bed and we know that when we lie down our sleep will be sweet. When we lie down, you know, he gives his beloved in their sleep. God will unravel some of the oppression off your life and help you when you're resting to work through some things, but also to speak to you and um, visit you in the night seasons. And uh, I believe God will even prompt you before morning, some of you, to get some creative ideas, entrepreneurial ideas, business strategy. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to the economy? What's going to happen with education? What's going to happen with all these the health and, and, and human services. What's going to happen with this infrastructure? What's going to happen with the world? What's happening in the nations? What's going to happen all around the world? God is marching us into territory where there are giants. And the only way you can slay a giant is not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. And like David said to Goliath, you come out against me with sword and spear. I come out against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a 17-year-old shepherd boy. I tried on Saul's armor. It doesn't work. But I'm going to just get out my smooth stone and my sling that I'm, I'm comfortable with. And I'm going to just get out there in faith. And I'm going to believe God. Peter, in the context of his fishing, realized he could step out into, in, into a new dimension. There are people in here that have business gifts, music gifts, leadership gifts. You've got service gifts, hospitality orientation. The Lord just could use you to be a blessing to people for a whole lifespan. Some of you guys have an aptitude towards service, and in fact, that's what it says here, that every work is service. And as a result, we're not to be little kids pushed around. We're not to be uh, obsessed on all the rhetoric of all the controversies. And we're to see, Jesus said, see to it that no one deceive you. 
So even, you know, Paul said, if I preach, if anybody, if another gospel comes, even if I preach it, uh, you know, you got to test it. An angel, anything, you got to test it. So we've got to judge scripture with scripture. We've got to study to show ourselves approved to God, uh, uh, unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, handling accurately and rightly dividing the word. So speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects in him. Look at somebody next to you and say, oh, grow up. And then verse 16 is one of my favorites. He said, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This is where you come in personally. It's the proper working of each individual part. And we're also exhorted not to compare ourselves among ourselves. And young people... Just in the spectrum of Instagram and things like that, there's so much pressure to, uh, for performance right now. But it, it's nothing new. It's just something to be aware of. So it's like, okay, I, I, you know, th- this isn't where I get my identity. My identity is from God's word. And I'm made in God's image. And uh, I'm made in his likeness. And then I have been born again to a living hope. And I don't have to compare myself with any of my coworkers. I don't have to compare myself with... Who has the best filter on the best a photo with the best, you know, all this best comparison thing. It used to be keeping up with the Joneses, now it's something else, and it'll be something else yet. Where you're trying to catch up, it can happen. Peer pressure can happen in junior high, it can happen in church, it can happen in ministry culture, it can happen in business, it can happen in any setting. But when we are living for the audience of one, and we draw our inspiration from him. We draw our awareness of our destiny, our purpose, our identity from him. It becomes a very secure and sure way of life. That's when David came out and he said, man, you know what? I have been hanging out with God and he has been very good to me. The Lord is my shepherd. He's going to help me in this field out here with this nine-foot giant. And in fact, I want to say that to you tonight as we get ready to close. We've got to put on the whole armor of God and approach life with a faith bias toward a supernatural God and let courageous, brave, tenacious boldness get in the inside of our spirit and bring fresh determination to our outlook on what's happening in the upcoming days. There needs to be a breed of people that are walking in divine inspiration, that trust the Lord, that don't shrink back, that are not hesitant, that hesitating, they don't vacillate, and they're not timid, but they have a courage, but not an obnoxious courage, not a loud, braggadocious, attention-seeking life, but a humble, yet thoroughly bold grasp on Jesus and his word. And they look to him, and they're, they're not wanting to do their own thing. They're not focused on their own pursuits. They lay aside religious mindsets and legalism. They don't let the traditions of men come in and choke the word. They don't let worries and cares, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things choke the word. They shake all that stuff off, They completely trust God, and they believe for great things to take place. Can I hear an amen?
Let's all stand up on our feet. And as you do, I want you to trust the Lord for signs, wonders, and miracles to follow you. Every place in which the sole of your foot treads, God's going to give you that land. Hallelujah. Only be strong and very courageous. God told Joshua and Caleb, and they pressed in and they obtained. Right? Right? Right?